five to five, and I have to admit, I'm sitting here with a... A glass of red again. I wow. know, I know. Wowzers. Maybe I shouldn't be admitting that. Shall I wait until we it ticks over to six? Is that more acceptable? No, no drink it. I was contemplating whether to have a glass of white, but I went for the Ribena instead. Oh, well, was, oh, a brand name there. Went for the, uh, of, the pink juice instead. This is just a glass of very concentrated Ribena. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, what have you been watching? Have you watched anything decent this week? I caught up with WandaVision. But when I say uh-huh. caught up, I, I do. Yeah. I am seeing reviews for the last episode. I think I watched like five of them or six of them. So I kind of got myself up to speed on, well, it's up to speed. I think um, I still might be behind, but I, I was a long way behind. I've watched the latest one. Make sure when you watch the latest to last two, there's some little Easter eggs at the end. Oh, so, okay. Uh, typical yes. kind of post-credit stuff. Yeah, they don't have it on the earlier episodes, but definitely the last one was was really good. I'm not going to say what it was because it will ruin it for people, but go back and have a look at the Easter egg at the end. Good stuff. I find it funny they're called Easter eggs. It's what? like a trail of delightful little things yeah. that are hidden yeah. in yeah. places, I guess. Yeah, I watched a couple this week as well. Come on then. What have you watched? So I watched, I think it's called Possessor, which I was given on Blu-ray. And the, the front cover does look quite scary, I have to say. <laughs> Is this a horror? Yeah. I'm not great with with horrors, but it's not a horror. It's an about a female assassin. It's your, this is uh, your No, but it's cool. No, it's, cool. <laughs> it's got Jennifer Jason Lee in it, and it's also got uh, Sean Bean. But the other actors, I don't really know many of the others, I have to be honest. But it's quite dark and very twisted. And it's about really having this female assassin's brain or connections transported into another person's body. So that turns the other person into an assassin. So there's a mission that that person has to deliver, but it's actually the the mind of the female assassin. Is the head the assassin's brain transported into a male by any chance? Yes, it oh, is. Okay. Obviously not the physical brain. It's no. just a... I don't know how it works. It they, doesn't work that, really in real life. Does that, does, that, <laughs> does that mean the man just becomes really good at multitasking? Um, yeah, but it's, there's some scenes that are like, that must be weird <laughs> for yeah. a woman to do that. You can imagine what I'm thinking on that front. I can. I, mean. I, think, I think maybe <laughs> next week I'm going to compile a female assassin movie quiz for you. Oh my goodness! I, I probably won't get them this right, is, though. This is your no, special I, subject. It's not. It really isn't. It's just very different and very bizarre, and I find it funny watching it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm being sexist or anything. There are good female assassins, I'm sure, out there, <laughs> but but I would not like to meet any of them. Let's just say that. So yeah, that's that's a good watch. And then we I've also watched with the kids Dragon Rider, which is on Sky. And that's got quite a few stars. It's got uh, Thomas Brody Sangster. That was from uh, Game of Thrones. Patrick Stewart. It's also got Felicity Jones, Sanjeev Basar, and Amira Sayal as well. So all English, all English. And it's, it's all right, but they kind of copied snippets of... How to Train a Dragon. You can see bit elements of Lord of the Rings in there. There's lots of different movies and cartoons sort of amalgamated into one to form one story about this dragon rider. And I would say the dragon cartoon animation looks good, but the people animation I wasn't as thrilled about. But it's the kids loved it. So um, one to watch for the kids. I've just realised I did watch something. I, I binge watched ah. that TV drama series called Behind Her Eyes or something. Ah, yeah, that's very good. 
Yeah, I tell you what, it's, it's really interesting. It's because I'm going off a bit of a tangent here, but I was watching it. And it's based on controlled dreaming. Mm -hmm. And it took a while for me to realize that that was pretty much the sole premise. You know, what could happen if someone could control their dreams. And I remember, I mean, I must, this must have been about 20 years ago, because I was quite interested in dreams. And I remember, I know, you're probably thinking, where's this going to go? I know, I know exactly. And I, <laughs> oh God. But there's this book which is called The Art of Dreaming. And it was mm -hmm. a book that was written by a journalist who was really skeptical about exactly this people who claim that they can live in their dreams, control their dreams. And the whole book was basically a journal where the journalist is taught by a shaman how to do this. And mm. It was interesting. I never finished the book, but I remember reading like the first things that you need to be able to do when you dream that will enable you to be able to effectively stay in the moment. You know, in dreams, you just flit everywhere. And one of the first things you have to do if you're in a dream and you think you're conscious, I think because some people for, for moments are conscious in their dreams, lucid dreaming. And so the first thing you're supposed to do is put your hand right in your path of your vision. And what you've got to try and do is then take your hand away and then bring it back and if you're able to do that without you know your dream shifting or you suddenly shooting off to some other reality that's one of the first things you need to start to do and in your dream in your, dream, in, in, in your oh, dream wow. it's like an eight step process and that's the very first thing i mean it's where the very first thing in stage one is just that there's loads of stuff you've got to do and it gets to the point where you can literally go to sleep be conscious in your dreams to the point where you could be anywhere in a landscape look at something in the distance and you're just suddenly there and you can literally control your dreams and it's all about how this kind of force that sits around you that you can separate them anyway it's all very bizarre but it was only about episode two or three into this series where this whole concept exact mm. concept I'm talking about comes to the surface and it's based on that as to how you know what happens in it is enabled so I found it really interesting from that point of view so I behind binged her that. eyes I get it now yeah yeah okay. I, exactly I binged that in about two nights so I did yeah I hear it's very good and I hear the ending is is a bit of a twister and nobody would have guessed it or something the ending is is worth watching because it, it is a surprise but I think it goes a bit too far anyway Cool. So some good films and TV series there. So what are we going to review now this week? We are going to review Airplane, classic comedy Airplane. from 1980. And the new film was I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage. So that's our new film. And Rosamund Pike was up for a Golden Globes for that performance, which we'll, we'll come on to later. So we're going to start with, with the airplane? oldie. The oldie air airplanes. It's your one, isn't it? It's my one. It's my one. I, and I watched this with my son. I mean, it's a 12A. He's it's 12. 15. It's 15. No, it's not. It's 12A. I looked on the BBC. It's, fif it's 15 on Sky. Well, it might be Sky, but British Film Border <laughs> Classification is 12A. I'd love to know... If there's bits taken out, then I'll be intrigued. We can talk about that. Well, it gives that. a specific references to what's in it that makes it a 12i in terms of sexual references and drug references. And anyway, I couldn't resist showing him the trailer for this to see whether it was just going to tickle him. And yeah, yeah he was. And did it? He was immediately <laughs> like, yeah, let's watch this. I don't think I've seen him laugh so much at a film. Yeah. And it was great that it was only an hour and a half as well. So this was released in 1980, directed 
by Jim Abrahams and David and Jerry Zucker, who are brothers. They also wrote it. Now, this is the team that is responsible for Top Secret, Police Squad, the Naked Gun films, the Hot Shot films. So you know what you're getting. I suppose this is before Naked Gun. And yeah, it's just complete. It's just like how many jokes can you score? squeeze into you know an hour and a half running time every single piece of script there's something in it that's easy to miss even first time around so this is starring robert hayes judy haggerty leslie nielsen also uh, we have u.s nba basketball player karim abdul jabbar we have lloyd bridges and peter grave so we have ted striker who's played by robert hayes who's this ex-fighter pilot who had become traumatized after an incident during the war which created this fear for flying during his time in the war he meets elaine played by judy haggerty they have this whirlwind romance we see a lot of this in flashbacks forward wind to elaine now a stewardess who's about to board a trans-american airlines flight from la to chicago and we have striker who's trying to win her back and he still has this fear and I think it's taken him off the rails a bit and Elaine's obviously reluctant to get back with him unless he sorts himself out he follows her onto the flight he buys a ticket and surprises her and so on the flight he's constantly trying to kind of win her back which she's not particularly interested in but after dinner is served on the flight loads of the passengers start falling ill and we have Dr. Rumat, played by Leslie Nielsen, who realises that this is due to one of the meal options. It's the fish dish that's responsible for, you know, one by one, all these passengers, including the pilot crew going down with this food poisoning. So that includes Captain Over, Peter Graves and Roger Murdoch, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And so basically there's no one on board to fly the plane, Elaine is instructed by Chicago Control Tower supervisor Steve McCroskey, played by Lloyd Bridges, to activate the plane's autopilot, which is this large blow-up doll named Otto, which is the most ridiculous joke in itself, but I don't know, it's just all so funny, which is supposed to help get them to Chicago. (laughs) But Elaine realises that obviously, you know, once Otto deflates there's no one left and the only person to basically get the plane down is striker who's on board who is trying to overcome his fear of flying but he's convinced to fly the plane and then you've got mccroskey after hearing striker's name on the radio sends for striker's former commander from the war rex kramer played by robert stack to help talk him down so yes Will his trauma prevent him from safely landing the plane to save the day and win a lane back? I mean, that's basically it. But it's not really about that, is it? It's just joke after joke after joke. And it is completely daft humour. I mean, I think most people would have seen, if not this film or Top Secret or Please God, I would have thought they may have seen a Naked Gun film or maybe a Hot Shot yeah. film. So in terms of the type of humour, it is daft. It is really yeah, kind of daft yeah. and cheesy. 
it's one of those film is films where it's less an exercise in talking about <laughs> you know the cinematography or or the writing or how you know it's just it's what's your favorite bit it's kind of like which jokes were the funniest for me so i'll leave it at that and i think i've got my favorites and characters that i loved so Saria, you watched this after me i think didn't you i did yeah and, and actually on sky it's it's 15 for some reason oh, I, okay I, I, yeah i don't know why it's it's any different but well there are a few scenes in there which you think ah yes that's why it's a 15 but it is it is literal comedy let's call it there are some very funny funny scenes and it's at its best and leslie nielsen was always very good at doing this god bless him naked gun is probably the first one i saw so when i heard airplane i thought it was airplane but airplane was last week's film i was quite excited by that because it's quite funny it's just so funny and i couldn't remember much about this film beforehand though i think i, I mean i was four when it came out so i must have watched snippets of it or some of it or the whole film in fact on tv at some point but it was kind of in that era of carry-on films really and so you probably would see it on normal television at you know just after nine o'clock potentially whereas you know it was that kind of era really where, where you would get some a little bit of nudity and that was embedded in these comedy films and tv shows i love the start with the tail of the plane that so it kind of sets the presidents really with this tail of the plane sort of circling in the clouds looking like a shark <laughs> yeah and, that's it yeah 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 Jaws, Jaws music came on and, and I thought, oh, here we go, here we go. And there was Here to Eternity, I think, was also yeah. a shot on the beach and there was lots of little snippets. So Saturday then we night had Saturday Fever, well. yeah. <laughs> That was brilliant, yeah. I think even the twins, was the twins uh, a, a nod to The Shining, which would have been the same year, 1980? Um, yeah, you're probably right, yeah. It probably was. So that was quite funny. Two men dressed up as, as girl twins fighting in, in the bar scene where the Saturday Night <laughs> Fever scene was. But yeah, that was funny. But I just love some of the quotes. You know, when Stryker sits on the plane, he's, he's all a bit nervous and this old lady sat, sat next to him goes, nervous, first time? And he goes, no, I've been nervous lots of times. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so funny. You've you got the kid reading Nun's Life. Uh, you've got uh, Dr. Rumac when he's asking Stryker to fly the plane. Can you fly this plane? And Stryker goes, Shirley can't be serious. And he goes, I am and don't call me Shirley, which is the most classic. The classic line, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Otto, um, <laughs> the inflatable autopilot, he's even credited at the end and he's listed in IMDb. And I find that hilarious. <laughs> You actually click on it and see if they could. Whereas Otto also for been, he's been in Airplane 2, apparently. There you go, yeah. He's, got, he's had quite a prolific <laughs> career. Yeah, yeah. And the fact the end, um, yeah, it's quite a funny end where Otto flies off into the distance with his inflatable friend. Elmer Bernstein did the music and uh, he's a composer for Ghostbusters, Michael Jackson's Thriller and Trading Places. So, uh, you know, a pretty reputable uh, musician and composer there and the Zucker brothers I mean Jim Abraham and David and Jerry Zucker were the directors and writers for this and as you said Rob they've done some of these I wouldn't say slapstick comedies they're more literal comedies but David Zucker has also done Phone Booth and a series of scary movie films as well so I didn't realise that and Jerry Zucker probably more famous actually with Ghost and My Best Friend's Wedding which and First Night and I love all of those they're great so he's obviously got Jerry Zucker is more on the sort of more sensitive side and you've got his brother who's on the sort of more manly phone booth side and you know the comedy pieces so quite a a bit of a contrast on, on films there that they've done 
cost it cost 3.5 million to make this film as you kind of expect it's not many great cinema cinematography there's sort of tongue-in-cheek throughout and it's just it's just well written really the comedy is and it took 83 million worldwide gross which is actually pretty good considering you know 3.5 million to make but guess how much it made in the opening weekend in australia um i, I don't know like a hundred bucks it didn't make much at all. I was really surprised. It only made $387. There you go. <laughs> so it was definitely designed for the American audience, I think. But along the years, I think it's it's got out uh, to Europe and, and to probably to Australia. And I, I, I bet everybody loves it. It's got quite high scoring on IMDb. I think it was when I last checked, it was 7.7 .7 out of 10, which is a, a great score for a comedy. And it's just it's just funny. The characters are likeable. And you don't mind if, if one sort of falls ill and disappears. You, you're not invested in that particular character, really, anyway. The only disturbing thing I found was with the, the main pilot talking to the little kid and asking him all sorts of weird questions. That I was thought, hilarious. That I was... thought at first, is he a bit dodgy? And then he started asking about, I, I don't know. Um... That was perhaps the most random part of it, yeah. was that yeah. little. Because almost like that, that kind of sense of humour took a bit of a strange left turn, which was... Which was hilarious, but like you say, it was a bit like, where's that going? Hey, Joey, have you seen, you know. <laughs> hey, Joey, do you like movies about gladiators? <laughs> yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Really random. Anyway, it was it was a good fun watch and, and a good comedy to watch, definitely. Rob, what, uh, do, you, what do you think? I forgot about the very opening scene with the Jaws tape with the tail of the cat. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. And you know what? My son Noah hasn't seen Jaws, but everyone knows mm. the Jaws music. It, he was laughing out loud even at that bit before it even started. <laughs> and then again, I think quickly following that was another one, the stupidest, funniest gags in it, where, where, where they've got the ground crew with the flight batons guiding the aircraft into its landing position. And whilst this guy's got these two batons guiding the plane towards him, some other worker just comes up and asks him like directions to somewhere, asking where someone is. And so he just starts, so he points with his baton. Oh, no. And in doing yeah. so, the plane, the plane inadvertently starts taking a left turn and just crashes straight into the airport. And that's yeah. basically how the whole thing starts. It's just like, oh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, it is it's genius thinking, I have to say. And and these films and, you know, about disaster movies are usually pretty serious stuff and all that action, but this is less action and just more great comedy. Some of the lines, if I read some of these, because it's probably mm. easier to read some of these and people will just like get it. So where there's all well, these classic lines, you better tell the captain we've got to land as soon as we can. This woman has to be gone into a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. I mean, it's basically <laughs> this kind of stuff yeah, all yeah. the time. There's a sequence where one of the characters on the flight is panicking. And so someone comes up to kind of like, you know, shake her and like, you know, come on, get yourself together. And then basically someone behind them moves this person out of the way and then they come along and shake her. And this time they shake her and slap her face. And then like someone else comes behind and then you suddenly they pan out and there's this queue of people. And then suddenly you realize like one's got a hammer, one's got like, and it's just the most daft stuff. Mm. And also the young girl going to Chicago for a heart transplant, apparently, and then she needs to get alive safely. <laughs> and, um, and the doctor rings up, I don't know, airport control or something like that to say, can you make sure my 
patient arrives on time. We've now got her heart, and this heart is jumping all over the doctor's office. <laughs> it's just like he hasn't stored it in anything. It's just like it's live and it's bouncing all over the place. And then during the flight as well, to keep her calm, this air hostess comes to sing a song, and the guitar knocks all their cables out of the arm and everything, and she's like almost dying. And then oh. managed to plug her back in, and and then at the end, yeah, I won't say anymore. But I have to say, it's one. It is the one of the greatest literal comedies. It I've is. Seen. Like it's just like it's I got to read some of these. Yeah, They're yeah. so funny. Seeing as another one. Captain, how soon can I land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean I'm just not sure. Well, can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. You can't take a guess for another two hours. <laughs> I'll let you know that. Or the captain with the kid. Yeah. With this strange conversation where he says, Have You ever been in a cockpit before, son? <laughs> <laughs> He says, no, sir, I've never been in a plane before. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> I know. They kind of right. whiz on. Exactly. You know? And then they Let's come back. That they comment, come back and it's like, Joey, you ever been to a Turkish prison? It's like, yes. what? Where is this <laughs> random, random stuff? It's all basically loosely based around this love story between Stryker and Elaine. <laughs> but I mean, it just doesn't matter. It's all the other crazy characters. It did make me want to watch Naked Gun. I mean, I remember watching Naked yeah. Gun thinking it was brilliant. And I watched Top Secret at uni quite a lot. I don't think I've seen Top Secret. Yeah, I think it came before this, which, well, I mean, it's exactly the same. It's one of those films, you know what you're going to get. You can't, like, dislike it. It's just a question of how funny you find this type of humour. If you find this type of humour funny, it's, I mean, it's a absolute treat, isn't it? Yeah. I prefer this kind of humour to Anchorman, I think. Yeah, I think it's on a par, definitely. I, I, I loved it. I loved the, the the flashback scenes, like you say, from here to eternity, when you see how um, Stryker and Elaine met, was just genius, where they just basically get like completely washed up <laughs> on the beach in <laughs> this amazing romantic embrace with, know, the, with, yeah. the, with the waves lapping. And then, like you say, how they met in the bar and the Saturday Night Fever dancing and the fights breaking out. I mean, I, I thought all that was just superb that was probably one of my favorite set pieces that particular bit i thought it was great like you say probably the references to the shining i'm sure it is and yeah. like the huge fights going on it's a tricky one to kind of rate because it's because uh, it's not your average film <laughs> no so i i mean i was just looking back what see what i gave anchorman i gave anchorman six and a half and i gave eurovision because there are some elements literal jokes in eurovision as well and i gave that seven i think i'm going to give this I'm probably going to give it a seven and a half. Just there are some some elements where you, you're borderline whether they would get they wouldn't get away with some of this stuff these days. I have to say, yeah, it's a good watch and it's a good laugh and it's probably one of one of my more favourite comedies. I have to say, so seven and a half for me. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's elements of this they wouldn't get away with today. I mean, there's a whole section which is like jive talk, um, yeah, with a couple of black passengers and you know. It's not awkward to watch now, but I'm not sure whether they would make comedy out of that particular thing no, now. That's they wouldn't a, get away with definitely it. Wouldn't. Um, I agree. I'm going to give it seven and a half as well. Oh, maybe mm. should it be eight? I mean, it made That's me what I've laugh. Been toying with. It made me laugh so much, but it's oh, an eight out of ten for this type of film is a bit of a stretch, I think. Um, do you know what? Sod it. I'm going to give it an eight purely because it, it was laugh after laugh. And I mean, a lot of it is down to the experience of watching the film. And I was lucky to watch it with my son, which was a treat, and he loved mm. it. And so I think I'll probably have a bit of that memory with me because um, he was still talking about it afterwards. So I will give it an eight. 
and eight. You gave Anchorman eight and a half, but okay. I, know you re- I know that you really like Anchorman. I really like Anchorman. Okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> this this won't this quote outshine Anchorman. That's <laughs> excellent. So so some really good scores on uh, for that, and it's a good laugh. It is it is literal comedy, and it's it's funny. Endless, endless quotes from this. We could only squeeze so many in. Definitely worth watching. It's only an hour and a half of your time and it's really funny. So the next film we're reviewing is the new film and it's I Care A Lot. It is a comedy crime thriller. It's just recently been released on Netflix and it's directed and written by Jay Blakeson. I tried to look up what does Jay represent? It doesn't say. So Jay Blakeson has also done Pitch Perfect and Fifth Wave with Chloe Grace Moretz, who is also in Kick-Ass as well. However, this one stars Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, Isa Gonzalez, who was in Baby Driver, and the fantastic Diane Weist as well. I love Diane Weist. So we start with the film with an aggressive man trying to break into a care home. And it later comes clear in courts from a scene that this man is actually trying to get his mother out of there and to sue or jail Marla Grayson, who has her own business called Grayson, who has managed to have a judge on side with her and to put in place a court order for his mother to go to a care home where his mother is actually okay and can be looked after by her son. She takes away this woman's money, sells her house and everything. Basically, she's just swindling the whole family and in particular particularly this poor lady that's been drugged in uh, the care home. Uh, She wins over the court within this first scene and she's got a very self-assured persona. And after the court, the man tries to attack her with some verbal abuse and she strongly gives him a stern talking to and drives off with her partner. Marla seems to be preying really on the elderly. She gets tips off by the doctor, who is a friend. And these people that gets tipped off tend to be wealthy people. And then they're all usually elderly or infirm. And then basically they get carted off to to care homes by Marla and her organisation. And each time it gets taken to court, they claim that this person has no dependents, which then gets approved. And then they they steal from this person and they get drugged and and etc. But this time they choose to pick on Diane Weiss' character, who is not somebody you should be messing with, basically. So Jennifer Peterson is Diane Weiss' character, 70 plus, visits a doctor in, in fine fiddle, and really the, the film goes on because uh, she's tied to the Russian mafia. And basically, Grayson gets her comeuppance. I'm not going to say any more on it, but Rob, what did you think? I was really intrigued by the film, especially after watching Promising Young Woman, because I knew it was going to be another strong female lead character performance, and it certainly was that. I mean, I remember what an amazing performance Rosamund Pike gave in Gone Girl, also a very kind of yes. twist, twisted, manipulative character. And certainly in this film, she's this shark-like... Very strong-minded, isn't very, she? Very, very strong-minded. I mean, her performance, I thought, was fantastic. She had this crazy kind of almost crocodile-like smile that she just... Just be able to put on at any moment that was obviously completely fake. It all it all had this real kind of fake plastic feel to the whole film, really. And and there's no doubting it was a great performance from her. And in a raced along, there was lots of surprising twists. We were talking about this on the watch along, Sarah and I. It's like, wow, does this happen? This yeah, is, this I is wonder a, if it does. This is a massive scam. Yeah. Everyone, you know 
various factions are involved of, of basically people who are suddenly find themselves with a legal guardian because their doctor has decided they can't cope for themselves and then everything is turned over to effectively a stranger who just fleeces them and, and even even they ended up living in one of the, the elderly people's homes that's right that's right. What? And you get, you know, you've got this kind of scene where Marla gets a call from the care home where mm. she's told that one of her people she's a guardian of has just died. She's like, oh, really? You know, I thought I was going to get five more years out of him. Mm. Um, Very cold. Very cold. But in all honesty, there's no likable characters in this at all. And we've had this conversation, I think, quite a few times about films. Obviously, they're not supposed to be liked. The enjoyment in it is how each of these twisted, messed up, bad people, you know, who wrong foots who, who's going to win, who's like, who's going to win out. That That's the kind of treat of it, because you can't really say, oh, I'm rooting for Rosamund Pike's character because we've heard about her backstory and I can see why she's doing this. You don't get any of that. It's just... No. And really, from that point of view, it is a bit of a crime caper with a bit of an edge, I'd say, purely because of that whole setup of, you know, this whole scam, which in actual fact, the first half hour, which deals with that quite heavily, I found more interesting than what then really, for me, develops into more of a kind of, like I say, a crime caper. I thought Peter Dinklage was very good. Obviously, he's a fantastic actor. But, and this has nothing to do with his stature at all, I would like to say, I personally didn't find him intimidating. I didn't find his character villainous enough. So I found Marla's character way more devious and scary than him. I found him and his his crew a bit... Jokey. uh, A bit jokey. And maybe that was the point. I mean, because they Mm. were a bit pantomime, weren't they? They did seem to be there almost slightly more for comedic purposes rather than Marla, who had her partner with her and she was a proper businesswoman. And there was, I don't know, there's a bit more meat to her character than, than anyone else. But I wanted to see more of Diane Weiss because she, for me, was the scariest character of them all. There (laughs) is a scene in this where Marla realises in the care home she's met her match where you have this interaction between the two where you suddenly realise they both know what's going on here. And she turns to Marla and says... (laughs) And out of nowhere comes the sea bomb and the look on her face is like you do not you suddenly it was almost like a Kathy Bates moment from Misery but on steroids <laughs> it was like suddenly like the most evil look you could possibly get from this amazing actress and, and she has such little screen time in it in it too I mean obviously a totally different level totally different level I'm not comparing her to Anthony Hopkins in Science of Lamb but every time Diane Weiss was on screen it's like she was Amazing. Uh, I wanted to see more of her I because I found her, mm. she got under my skin way more than anyone else. Whereas, as I say, for me, it kind of veered into, yes, an entertaining crying caper, but for me, just that, nothing more, and uh, didn't quite follow through on, for me, what was a real promising start. What else can I say? So, um, yes, I always find it a struggle to completely engage in films where I don't care for any of the characters. That's just a personal thing. I know you get plenty of films like that. I'm never going to give them as higher scores than films where I invest in a character properly. That's just the way it is for me. I thought there were some silly things in it. Perhaps you were supposed to suspend your disbelief and go with it. I thought... You know, the botched murder of Marla, where they tried to do away with her by 
pointing a car in the direction of a ravine going into a river by these henchmen of Roman. Peter Dinklage was just a bit mm. stupid and botched and wouldn't really happen. I thought that when Marla what? then was doing this whole cover-up when she was then kidnapping Roman back, but she wasn't wearing mm. any gloves. And you just thought, well, there's going to be a trail of endless fingerprints to what she's doing. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that is detail. I think I'm look, I'm finding problems where there aren't probably any. And the only final thing to say on it, which I only really discovered in the final third, was the soundtrack. I really liked the soundtrack, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. I was conscious of it throughout the film. But yeah, I really liked it. So... Little things I liked, a lot of things that were entertaining and okay, and a few things that bugged me. Yeah, there were quite a few scenes where Peter Dinklage's mafia mob didn't really deliver the best results. They should have checked on things to make sure that certain things were done, which you would have thought would have happened. And then, um, yeah, they just seemed more comedy sort of value, really. A bit sloppy. With but, did, but, did, but didn't you find that it drifted between one genre, which we like, which was almost a bit more jokey, funny mm. comedy, but it then, then, it did then drift yeah. into a slightly different genre where, where I think it was expecting the audience to engage more in a slightly sharper, edgier yeah, part of it. Yeah, psychological yeah exactly and I didn't quite know what it was Mm. trying to do I have to say, I did side with Diane Weiss's character and, and the, the Russian Mafia. I wanted them ah, there to you win. go, there you I go. I wanted them to win, but that's simply because I thought it, what Marla had done was completely disgrace. And I was completely shocked that that potentially could be happening right now. We just do not know, do we? You know how there's endless docu-miniseries on Netflix, like, you know, these mm-hmm. kind of murder mysteries. Like, mm-hmm. there has to be a documentary made. <laughs> it probably if, is. If this scam <laughs> exists, then this is a really interesting well, subject. If it, if it doesn't, somebody's going to do it now because they've shown how to do it in, <laughs> in a movie. So that's the scary side. But I loved, as I said, I love Diane Weiss. So she started acting in 1975, you know, before I was even born. And she's been in Footloose. She's been in Hannah and Her Sisters, The Lost Boys, we love her for. Parenthood, which I love that film. Edward Scissorhands, Birdcage, Mule with Clint Eastwood. And she's just kind of a soft but smart mummy approach in each of those kind of films, really. She's got a kind of mumsy feel about her or a grandmother feel. And, and she seems so soft, but actually in this film, you can really see the, oh, the she dark t- side. She turns, dark on, side. She, she turns on a dime, doesn't she? Yeah, like she, she is. She, she is, is that yeah. softer character yeah. at the start, and you completely fall for it until yeah, that. Yeah. Until slowly you start to realise, oh my yeah. god. But Rosamund Pike's. I mean, I was looking up to see what she's been doing more recently. Obviously, we've seen her in Jack Reacher and Gone Girl, but she's been doing a lot of voiceovers for the Moomin Mama for Moomins, Thomas and Friends, Thunderbirds or Go. So she's obviously got kids and and trying to do stuff for, for them, which I think is lovely. I want to watch a film that was made by Amara Sante called A United Kingdom, which yes. has Rosamund Pike in. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, interestingly, talking about the Biffa Film Awards I did last week, Tom Felton's like the third credit on it, which is interesting. Yeah. But I, I want to watch it because apparently Rosamund Pike plays a much softer character in it. I think of Rosamund Pike now and I think of twisted, crazy psycho mm. woman from Gone Girl and from this film because she does it so well. So I'd like to see her in something a bit softer. Well, she's been in Thomas and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't get softer than that. I mean, I want to see her on screen. <laughs> yeah, Moomin, Moomin Mama. <laughs> I would also like to say that the film, and I'm I'm not going to give anything away at all, but the very climax of the film I found quite enjoyable. That's all I'll say. Yes. 
redeeming. It almost redeemed itself in terms of the message it was giving to the audience, I felt, with the last few closing scenes. Yes, but I would have liked to see Diane Weist happy and at home, enjoying a cup of tea on her sofa. <laughs> so. Do you mean this complete psycho woman <laughs> connected to the Russian woman. mafia? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So anyway, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it seven and a half out of ten because Rosamund Pike does put in a good performance. I'd seen it before, so but that shouldn't take away from it. And we haven't mentioned, we did tease it, I suppose, at the top of the show, that she has won a Golden Globe for yes. this performance as Best Actress well in a Comedy or Musical. So, yeah, well done her. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it the same score, actually. I did I did enjoy it and very strong female characters in it. And I love Diane Weist as well, as I said. And Peter Dinklage is great. I do think he is, he is good. I, I'm convinced that guy is going to win an Oscar at some point. I mean, now, oh, he's, good at, on now, him, now he's finished with Game of Thrones. I, he's got such an amazing presence. He's such a good actor. I think if people give him the right roles, he's going to come out with some belters, I think. Yeah. And he is doing a lot more now, I think, as well. Mm. So good. I know he was, he's just done a couple of voiceovers in Ice Age and things, those films. But yeah, good to see him a bit more. So, yep, seven and a half's all round for all films, it looks like. I sneaked up to an eight for Airplane, didn't I? Oh, you did. You're right. I know. You did. So seven and a moment, half. A moment of weakness. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's going to be our new film for next week then rob this is i'm really excited about this we do our usual thing of getting together before we start this to look at what the film options are and we have gone for a film called raya and the last dragon and this is an animated disney film warring factions in the land of Commandra shatter the magic filled dragon gem accidentally resurrecting evil force the Droon, which turns everyone it touches to stone lone warrior Rhea sets out to revive long lost water dragon Sisu and reassemble the dragon gem pieces to revive her people there you go we haven't had an animation for a while so i'm looking forward to this one what is good is that imdb has no ratings for us because it's out on the 3rd of march on disney plus excellent excellent they've got some good stuff coming out on disney plus actually they've got this they've got the falcon and winter soldier coming out very soon and they've also got koala which uh, will be in may time so i'm looking forward to all of those okay so now is for you to choose from my my list so Okay. Genre. Well, it's that genre with many, many films on the list. Drama. Oh, drama. Okay. So drama has got many, 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 many. I have 60 dramas. It's the first of the month today, isn't it? Yeah. So number one. Number one. Okay. What did I have? It's A River Runs Through It. Ah. 1992. Oh, Brad, isn't he pretty? Brad with his fishing rod, hey, Sarah? Is that the big story? That might be a reason why my is (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a good film. Was it Aiden Aiden Quinn? Is that right? Yeah, River Runs Through It. Let's look it up. I've never watched it. I haven't seen it. Have you not? No, I know. Isn't it supposed to be quite, and I don't mean for Brad Pitt, isn't it supposed to be quite a kind of scenic film? Isn't this about fishing? Yeah, great cinematography in this, yeah. Is it about three brothers? Am I jumping the gun here? I think it's it's about two brothers, if I recall. I think it's Robert Redford's director of debut. Ah, you're right. 
So this is the story. Yes, you are right about two sons of a stern minister, one reserved, one rebellious. I wonder which one Brad Pitt is. Growing <laughs> up in rural Montana <laughs> while devoted to fly fishing. And this is directed by J.R. Hartley. No, it's not. It's directed by Robert Redford, as he says. <laughs> Tom, Tom Tom Skerritt's in this as well. It's a beautiful film and it's got fantastic cinematography. 7.2 on IMDb is a pretty fine score. So it's got, exactly. to, have it's got, exactly. to, have some, it's got to have something going for it. Hopefully it's got something going for it, which isn't just more, Brad Pitt. More than Brad, yeah. yes. I think this is Brad at his best, actually, is to it? be honest. Was this, mm. was this post Thelma and Louise? It must have been. Yeah, it must have been, yes. mustn't it? Thelma and Louise was 1991, River Films. It was the following year. How about it that? is, it is. He's probably filming it around the same time then, wasn't he? But yeah, okay. So where can we watch oh. that one? So this is to rent or buy from Amazon Prime and looks like YouTube. There is another one which is on here, called, which I can't read it, BFI Player. Oh, yes, BFI Player. It, it doesn't get a lot of airtime, but, yeah, I think you can yeah. find quite a few gems on there every now and again. I've not seen heard of BFI Player before, mm. so uh, new one. So, yeah, rental buy at the moment, but I'm sure some people have got it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, so as well. Lovely. Well, <laughs> so, we did we did say last week we were going to try and come up with our two small cokes running challenge, didn't we? Yeah. But I'm quite happy to do it because I've got, I kind of committed to doing a, a bit of running this month actually. So, I mean, maybe right the opportunity right maybe then. this is the opportunity. So, Oh, God, here we go. The rules, and others can join in, but what we have to do is run, <laughs> walk, or the do running time. It, you have to do it the running time of both films put together. So we're looking at the first film, Rare and the Last Dragon, is one hour 54 minutes. Yep. And a river runs through it is two hours and three minutes. Does that mean were you saying you've got to run for Just three the, hours, 57 minutes? Yes, but not run all the time. You could do walking, you could cycle. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So actually, when you think about it, I've been out a couple of times this weekend. Yeah. And they were 50 minute long walks. I'll tell you what you could do, Sarah. This is just an idea for everyone out there. Yes. You could just listen to our podcast. <laughs> yes. For three exactly. hours, 57. Maybe you could get probably like four or five episodes in. You don't you? have to do it all in one go, Rob. You split it no. up throughout the week. You're absolutely right. That is our new challenge. But okay. you've got another challenge tied in with that, haven't you? Yeah, I'm doing 100K in March, but that's a running thing. That's 25K. That's basically going to be two and a half hours of my time a week, whereas this is three hours 57. So this is all about just exercise, really, isn't it? You can combine your walking, you combine your running, whatever you do fitness-wise, steps around the house. I don't know. Yeah, Um, exactly. I like it. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Three hours, 57 minutes this week which is the runtime for both films put together. And you can do whatever exercise you want. And I'm going to record mine on probably on Strava or something like that. Okay. Keep it clean though, folks. Just, you know, when you say exercise. <laughs> You're not going to. Are you looking at your watch? I don't know. On your watch. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just... Is, there a, is there a tab for extra <laughs> There might be. There might be. There should be. I think there should be. That's like a special. Oh. It's like an added subscription you get with Garmin. Oh, my oh, I goodness. don't know. Sorry, it'll I'll, be take, interesting I'll, to I'll see take that out. I don't know what, well, what I was thinking of It'll be interesting to see how, how far we can go. 
if it's walking and running and stuff. I'm a slow plodder, to be honest. You will go much further than me if you're running, no doubt. Yeah, Robert. but if you go for a walk with the kids, I mean, it, I mean, you'll, you'll yeah. be doing an hour or whatever. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's our challenge for this week, and we're good. let's try it for a month, shall we? For a month, okay. Yeah, that's good. Do it for a month. Not obviously. Each week we have a different time. So next week we'll have a couple of shorts in there with lava and and uh, and the snowman, the return. Yeah. I like how we did. We made sure we didn't start at the same week of dances with wolves. I thought that was a wise choice. No, yeah, but there will be some that will slip in with uh, that are three hours long. Yeah, I think we've watched JFK and Dance of Wolves, the really long ones. So uh, yeah, and I think we we need to to look at a medal potentially after. A month. I, well, I know this came off the back of me doing Jog on Dementia, and my husband's put me in for a five k during that period as well, which is I managed that, which was fine. Woo-hoo. But at the end of it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, at the end of it, I got a Home Alone medal. And I thought that was fantastic. It lights up and everything. It's Kevin McAllister's house that lights up and uh, it's got Home Alone written around the ribbon. I thought it was brilliant. So this is where the idea came from, I think, isn't it? And then, yeah, let's try and find a movie-themed medal. Maybe you find one for me and I find one for you. I like that. Okay. Yes, yes I like the challenge that. challenge is on. going to work really well for an audio podcast, but maybe we put these. we can put this on the Facebook page if yes. we... Yeah, okay, I like that. Good. Good, Good stuff. So we're going to get physical. Let's gonna get, get phys- physical. Physical, physical. <laughs> You're going to get physical. I told you, keep it clean, Sarah. Let's get physical. What's the next okay. one? I don't know. This is the only bit anyone knows, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Have a lovely week, Rob. See you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.